Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. I am super excited about today's interview because we get to geek out on all things productivity, specifically time and calendar management. My guest today is Amber De La Garza, who is also known as the Productivity Specialist. Amber is a sought-after trainer, coach, speaker, writer, and she's also the host of the Productivity Straight Talk podcast. She works with entrepreneurs to help them take actions that are going to maximize profits, reduce stress, and ultimately make time for what matters most in life, all things that I find extremely important as well. Oh, and by the way, she's also quite possibly as big of a productivity nerd as me. If you have ever heard the term time blocking and you wondered what the heck that is, or you've wondered how it works, or you're wondering what the best tools are, or whether or not this productivity strategy will actually work for you, this episode could change the way that you manage your day, your week, and your life. I can say without hesitation that time blocking is quite simply the most important strategy that I use to manage my own life. It allows me to visualize my quote-unquote ideal week, which is something that we're going to dive into in great detail in this interview. It helps me avoid procrastination because I always know what tasks to complete on any given day, and most importantly, it keeps me focused on taking actions that are actually going to move my life forwards as opposed to getting sucked into busy work and even worse, social media. Now, if you're one of those people who believe, oh, well, time blocking isn't for me because I'm creative and I just need to wait for that creative flow to come, well, guess what? This episode is a must listen. Because what you're going to discover is that learning how to properly manage your time and your calendar are what will ultimately set your creativity free. Okay, without further ado, my interview with productivity specialist Amber De La Garza. 
I'm here today with Amber De La Garza, who is a productivity specialist, and she's specifically sought after for coaching, training, speaking, writing, and she's also the host of the Productivity Straight Talk podcast. And dear Lord, are you and I going to geek out today? I am so excited to have you on my show. Oh, it's my pleasure. These are my favorite types of conversations to have with other productivity experts where we can geek out. So I think your listeners are in for a treat to hear us kind of give them some value. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And uh, tell me if you can relate to this. You're maybe having lunch with colleagues or friends or people that aren't specifically in this space. And they throw out something like, oh, yeah, I, I tried this new productivity app, or I'm having a really hard time focusing during the day. And it takes every core of your being to not jump in and completely steal the conversation for two hours and walk them through an entire productivity workflow. Does that feel relatively familiar to you? Uh, absolutely. There's so many times where I'm like, just keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Because this is going to go in a totally different direction. Because you can't just say like one thing. You have to explain it in its context and why that may be a good idea or not a good idea or what they need to be thinking of. And it's never a short conversation. Yep. It's like somebody's <laughs> like, yeah, so I've, I've got this to-do list. You know, I'm doing it on pen and paper, just working through it in order and I'm just biting my teeth going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because this is finally my chance to say all the things that I can't say in those lunches or their social situations. So anybody that's like, well, what would you really say if you just wanted to blurt out every possible important thing about the basics of productivity and time management, what would you say? That's kind of what this is. Oh my gosh, I've never I've never heard it that way, but I guess that's why I started my podcast so that I can go on rants about the things that I believe about productivity. Yep, that's exactly the way I started mine. It wasn't so much about productivity, it was just more about um, mental and physical health in the creative industries. Like I was dealing with all kinds of depression and burnout and people were having me on their podcast to talk about film editing. And they say, what else do you want to talk about? And I want to talk about health and all this other stuff. And like, no. We, we just want you to talk about editing and be like, fine, I'm going to do my own podcast. <laughs> so I figured I'd do like three, four or five episodes, get it out of my system. Five years and 150 episodes later, I still can't shut up. Oh my so, goodness. There you anyway. go. You found your passion. That's awesome. Exactly. Uh, so the way that I want this conversation to go, and for anybody listening, this is really going to be about the foundation of time management and time blocking. So basically, this is going to kind of be everything you ever wanted to know about time blocking and planning, but you were afraid to ask. So where I want to start is the basics for anybody that's never even heard this concept. And for anybody that's ever listened to this podcast or read my stuff, dear Lord, have they heard this concept. But let's pretend they haven't. If I were to say to somebody, oh, if you're having trouble staying focused on something or getting your tasks done during the day or during the week, or you just feel like you always have these things that you never get done that you keep putting off, you should try this thing called time blocking. What is that? Right. Okay. So I define time blocking as setting small goals for specific times on your schedule. And it's being very purposeful. So when you block out specific time on your calendar, you are setting an intention with what is going to be accomplished during that time. Kind of like budgeting, right? Like if you had a financial budget, you have all this money coming in, your budget is going to tell you how you're going to allocate your resources of money. Your calendar should be an allocation of the resource of your time. And I love the way that you put that. And the word that I want to pull out there that's more important than anything else. And you can talk about apps and all these things that you can connect and automation and everything else. To me, the foundation of productivity is intention. 
If you're intentional about whatever task it is that you're about to do, and you're confident that that task is going to move you forwards towards whatever goal you've set, it's easy to get stuff done. And it's very difficult to procrastinate because it all makes sense. But the problem is that most people are not intentional about the things that they're doing and they're more in reaction mode. That is correct. I think that a lot of stress and overwhelm comes from living in the reaction um, to our days, to events happening, to clients, to just all these external factors. When we can find a lot of peace, if we can flip that and be much more proactive in our intentions on how we're investing our time. Well, so for most people, though, they're thinking, yeah, but you don't get it. Like, there's so many things going on in my day, and I'm so busy. And I just, I have to do multiple things at once to get through it. Like, I've got to be checking my email and responding to text messages. And yeah, I've got to write this thing or edit the scene or whatever the creative task might be. But I'm just better at multitasking, right? So what do you think about that? I didn't even ask if you have an explicit episode. So I'll say I call BS on that. (laughs) Um, You are not special. And if you're listening to this, we all have a thousand things that we're doing. We all wear multiple hats, both personally and professionally. Um, And as long as you keep believing the story that you have to multitask or you have to do all the things at the same time, you are going to live out that reality. One of the biggest side effects of trying to do that all day long is anxiety and stress. And, you know, people just don't realize it just becomes part of who they are and it's... Um, I just talked about this analogy in my previous podcast that I just did with Cal Newport, where you have this general low-level anxiety that's kind of like when you put a watch on. And at first, you feel the watch on your wrist, but as the day goes on and the week goes on, you don't even know that watch is there. But suddenly, you might take it off and there's a big red mark and you're like, damn, that was really tight. That hurts, right? Yes. And I feel like low-level anxiety during the day because of all these things going on is kind of the same where you don't feel it until you relieve it. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe how anxious I've always been. Oh my gosh, that is such a good um, example. Here's, I I would have actually had, if you met me maybe like 10 years ago, I would have absolutely had um, multitasking on my resume. Like it was a, it, it was seen as a very good thing. Like someone that can handle more than one thing at one time. And what I know to be true is that we are not capable of doing more than one thing well. And my definition of productivity, and and I'll just invite your listeners for at least the duration of this episode, is investing your best time into your best activities. And so if we want to be truly effective and efficient and do our best on our best activities, we can't divide that and try and do more than one thing at one time. I even have the tendency now with all the reading I've done and research I've done and read, fall back to multitasking at times. And the way that I catch myself is not the fact that it's so blatantly obvious that I have multiple tabs open or multiple things in front of me. What catches my attention is the way that I feel. And so when I tune into feeling that anxiety or unease, I will literally take a breath and take kind of a step back and look around and like, I did it again. I'm trying to do more than one thing at one time. And so it's the result of that stress that triggers me to look around to say, oh, you're trying to multitask again. Yeah, and I I fall into the same trap as well where I'm far from perfect and I can talk about time blocks and explain advanced time blocking strategies and talk about calendar management and all this other stuff. But then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, hey, I just checked my Facebook comments. Oh, I just checked an email. Oh, I'm trying to write this. Ah, damn it. 
How did I, why, how did this happen? Right. (laughs) And And it seems to be our tendency, even though on a neurological level, and they've proven this, that the human brain is just not capable of doing multiple tasks at once. And I, I don't remember the exact number, so I don't want anybody to quote me. I don't have the scientific studies in front of me, but I believe the number is roughly four to five percent of people that are actually capable of multitasking. So they're clearly the outliers, but the vast majority of people, we're not multitasking. We're just very quickly switching from one single task to another single task. But as we're talking about already, that comes at a tremendous cost, not only to your emotional health, but your ability to stay focused as well. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I think that time blocking is a great tool to practice the art of not multitasking by setting intentions. I think that we go back to multitasking when we don't really take the time to prioritize what we need to be focusing on. It's easier to feel like, oh, I'm moving a little bit of a lot of things forward instead of having the hard facts of, no, this needs my attention first. This needs my attention second. Um, But that will always serve us best because then we have our full focus and attention on completing, say, project A or task A, and then moving to project or task B. Well, also, it helps to understand what takes true priority because I think that we just become trapped in this thing called the theater of work where we feel like if we're spinning our wheels all day long, every single second that somebody comes by our door, we're super busy, we're banging away at the keyboard, there's smoke coming out of our laptop, and at the end of the day, we're exhausted. Well, clearly, we were doing everything we could, but then all of a sudden, if you force somebody to really review their day or their week, and they're like, oh, I actually didn't do much of anything. That's kind of embarrassing. Right, right. You know, I have a personal belief, and this is how I work with my clients and what I share is I don't believe that we are meant to be productive all day, every day. And some people are like, what are you talking about? Like that would make me a great employee or a great CEO or a great entrepreneur. Like I am productive all day, every day. I think that we have to be ruthless with what are actually our most productive activities because everything we do is not our most productive activities. And again, with the definition of investing your best time into your best activities, it is your responsibility to identify the activities that are going to move the needle, meaning propel you towards your goal. And this can lay over your your role in your company. This could be you, you as a CEO and in your business, but this can also be like health goals, right? Or relationship goals. I have a fill in the blank of what my highest and best activity is for each of the goals in my life, both personally and professionally. So when you're really clear about that, it's, it's true. You are not going to be productive all day, every day, if you really hold those few activities sacred. And my God, I could not agree with you more. This is something that I try to preach to everyone all the time is they think, oh my God, you just must just get so much done and you have all this energy. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm budgeting my energy. And it's only for about five or six hours a day that I am truly focused and truly productive. But I'm so laser sharp, focused and productive that the rest of the day, I just kind of do whatever I want. I socialize with people. I check emails. I take a lot of walking breaks and I use that to think. And like, for example, on the project that I just finished, I was, I'm working on the TV show Cobra Kai. And it was a really intense, difficult show to work on. Very high profile, very difficult uh, calendar and deadlines. And I was there and it's the, uh, the creators of the show are listening. Maybe they shouldn't hear this, but I was there by far the least of anybody else. I used to make it a rule that I was the first in and the last out. And now my rule is last in, first out. 
So I put in by far the least amount of hours and I didn't get any overtime, no weekends, but that allowed me to play the long game and run the marathon rather than trying to do these sprints every single day and burning myself out. Yeah, I think that that is so smart when you're able to flip that, right? And really see that, um, like when you said you took walking breaks or, you know, for me, it's not uncommon that I take my lunch I'll, and I work from home. So I'll take my lunch and I'm watching Netflix, like garbage TV. Like I have to clear my head, get out of the doing and the working and the like real thinking. Cause that's like my high value activity is thinking and creating. So I have to like step away from that so that when I step back in, I'm able to laser focus on those types of activities. And, you know, I, I don't think that we should judge like how people show up as their best selves to be most productive. Uh, That is a big thing that I love to talk about is that, you know, for you, Zach, you may find that you like, you know, quiet and uninterrupted time, right? Like meaning like super, super quiet, no distractions. And others are like, oh my gosh, like that quietness makes me want to just distract myself. And so maybe they would excel better in like a coffee shop or a noisy environment. So I think it's our job to always find like, not just when our most productive times are and, and be laser focused, but how are we most productive? Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And like, I am the kind of person that I need absolute solitude and silence. And then I put on a pair of noise cancellation headphones and I have either some binaural beats or I have some very continuous instrumental music that it's, it's almost like not listening to real music. It's just these sounds and these tones that gets me in the zone. I could never, ever go to a coffee shop and get anything productive done because that would drive me crazy. But I don't fault people that do that because their brains are wired differently than me. I need a very specific kind of white noise. They need a very specific kind of white noise, which is why you can actually buy apps now where all they do is play the sound of coffee shops because that helps people focus. Yeah, I was that person. Like before I started my business, I worked in corporate and I was in management. So, you know, every good manager has an open door policy. You have all the cubicles outside of your office. So when I came to start my business, I was like, oh, I thought this is going to be amazing. It's like quiet, uninterrupted, distraction free. I was literally like cussing the birds out my window. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like everything distracted me, even the birds chirping, the mailman that drove by. So I actually, um, anytime I wasn't with a client, I was sitting in a coffee shop the first year and a half of my business. Now, this was before I was like way ahead of my time because now, like you said, there's these apps that can imitate being in a coffee shop. But I actually drove to a coffee shop um, on a daily basis to try and create the environment that I worked best. Well, and environments are definitely something that we can go into even a little bit more later. But what I want to do now is I want to hone into the idea of time blocking 101. If somebody's listening to this and they're saying, oh, you know what? I am kind of scattered and all over the place and I am kind of reacting to everything that's coming in. I love this idea, but where do I start? So what are the basic fundamental steps of somebody that wants to start the practice of time blocking? How do they do it? How long should it be? Are there apps you recommend? Like I definitely have my favorites, but I want to get an idea of where you would start somebody. Okay, excellent. Well, first of all, do not be afraid of time blocks. If you are a creative and you like to be free flowing and go with, you know, when you have the mood or the feeling to get creative, right? I think that many people avoid time blocking because they think it's too structured, too rigid, and all of these types of things. And I'm going to tell you that when you have a time block schedule that works for you, you will find the most freedom you probably ever had. And so I'm going to invite everybody to give this a try. 
And then second, uh, there's actually two types of time blocking. So we are going to go into detail on the ideal week time blocking. And I have steps to create that. But another way to time block that I think would be worth um, telling our listeners about, Zach, is when we have specific tasks on our task list and pulling those off and allocating specific time on your calendar. So that to me is one way of time blocking that works really, really well, is you're not just saying, oh, I'm getting these three things done today. It's I'm getting thing number one done between 10 and 1130. And I'm getting thing number two done at two for 30 minutes. And so it's forcing you to look at those three high value activities, allocating a particular time to get that activity done, and then putting it on your calendar for the time slot that you, you've allocated. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty convinced at this point that you and I are separated at birth. <laughs> this is terrifying. Um, if, if this, if this uh, were a reverse podcast and I were being interviewed and you were the host, yes. I would have said the exact same thing. No, and I swear I, to, oh any, to anybody that's listening, you and I have never met before. No. You sent me one email four months ago saying, I'd love to be in your podcast. And I said, sure, that's it. That is I would it. have answered pretty much identically the same way. And one of the things I want to do later, I was actually going to share what I call my ideal weekly calendar that I had built out. I was going to screen share with you, talk through a little bit of it, and then share a screenshot of that on the the show notes so people can actually see what it is that we're looking at. And I've never talked to anybody that builds an ideal weekly calendar. That's terrifying. Like, I can't believe that. That's oh so my crazy. Gosh. Okay, this is awesome. Okay. So what this does, though, both ways of creating your, your time block, actually, um, it actually, there's, there's a the law called Parkinson's Law. And Parkinson's Law says that tasks expand the amount of time given. And so what we're doing is creating boundaries to each task, meaning if you don't have boundaries to a particular task that should take 30 minutes, that's when we let distractions or interruptions or checking our email or, or letting somebody walk by our desk and we green light them, like making eye contact, like, yep, come on in. Because we don't have in our mind like a specific time that task should get done. When we are so clear with the intention, again, we're bringing this full circle to intention, you're getting this task done and you're getting it done in 30 minutes. That is the time that you are going to be distraction, interruption free. And, and let me explain the difference between distraction and interruption. Interruptions is other people interrupting you. Okay. Distractions, I define as when we self-distract. So what that means is we are, you know, working, working, and we're like, oh, I'm getting bored with this task. Let me check Facebook. Let me check Instagram. Let me check my email. So we are always fighting external interruptions and distractions and internal interruptions and distractions. When we are setting these intentions for the specific amount of time, it's you're training yourself for that specific amount of time to be extremely focused and distraction-free. So if you do that a few times a day, say for these three key activities, then the rest of the day, it's okay. Like it, you're going to find yourself multitasking or people coming into your office or putting out a fire. Um, those are very real things in everyone's day. What we want to do is hold these blocks of time sacred. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. 
Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the Topo Mat. The Topo Mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. Well, in the, the couple of words that you threw out there that I think are really important are the words training and practicing. Because people believe that whether or not they can focus is a genetically inherited trait. They think, well, I'm just not somebody that can focus. I'm so ADD, right? And they don't realize that it's a practice. It's something that you train. And to me, when I talk to my private uh, coaching clients, um, and it's funny that you uh, talk about this idea of these creative, free-flowing individuals that don't like to time block. I had a client that came to me and said the same thing. And I actually did a podcast interview with her recently. So for anybody listening, it's my episode with Moni Salazar. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. But she came to me saying, oh, I could never time block and I'm just a free spirit. And I just kind of do things when I'm inspired to do them. And I said, that's great. I'm the same way. I'm totally a free spirit. I just happen to get my inspiration at 10 a.m. every morning because I forced myself to be inspired and creative because that's what my time block is. And she came back to me after a couple of months of working with her and said, oh my God, I feel so much freer now because of the structure and the schedule, which is what you mentioned. That having been said, going back to what I was talking about where this is like a genetically inherited trait, the response that I give to people is, if I handed you a guitar, would you immediately be able to play it? And you say, well, no, of course not. Well, that doesn't mean you were born crappy at playing the guitar means you haven't had practice. You haven't trained yourself to do it. And focus is exactly the same thing. And my belief is that if you're going to learn how to be a focus and productivity machine, just like somebody that becomes great at the guitar or the piano or anything else, the very first place to start is one single time block. So before we go into this big macro idea of ideal weekly calendars and all the stuff that's freaking all the creative people out right now, let's go to the micro and talk about one time block and what that looks like, how long should I set it, and what should I and what should I not be doing? I am so glad you asked that question because I think that we throw the term around time blocking and nobody actually tells anybody what does that actually look like. So to answer your question, first of all, it's ideal to have longer blocks of time. Like we all want to be 
our most productive selves for longer you know, durations of the day. But just like it's January 1st and we don't want to go on crash diets that are not going to sustain the test of time, this is the same thing for time blocking. And so my recommendation all the time is to start with smaller blocks of time on a consistent basis and build up to it. And this is completely tying into what you were saying, Zach, is that this you aren't either born with you know, time management skills or being productive or not. This is a skill set that needs to be exercised and built upon. And that exercise is doing, scheduling your time blocks, doing them and then building up to it. I am, it sounds like you um, work out a lot and have talked a lot about that and like the benefits of it, but you're not going to get me on a treadmill running 10 miles today. I would have to create a plan and build up to that to get there. And the same thing is true for time blocking. Yep. I could not agree with that more. And uh, if you uh, jumped into my website or my podcast or my blog at all, then you know that I've been training for American Ninja Warrior for a little bit over the last year. And when I started, I was not in great shape. I'm almost 40. I've got two kids and I spend 10 to 12 hours a day behind the computer. So I'm not exactly the perfect avatar for that form of sport. And I said, you know what? It's not a matter of I'm going to go run a course tomorrow morning on January 2nd. It was... What can I do? Where can I start? And for me, it was, oh, you know what? Uh, my hips are really immobile. So let's start working on hip mobility and just getting in a little bit of cardio. And let's just get a baseline of where I am now. And with time blocking, it's no different. So what I tell people, and you can expound upon this if you want to, but I say, just try it once. Just try and shut everything off in your life for like 25 minutes. And if that's terribly painful, try 15, you know, but, but you, you have to build in these small increments until you start to get the feel for what it's like to actually allow your brain to get in the zone. I agree. And Zach, I think it's worth saying too. So for me, I think we all, well, I'll tell you, my sweet spot is about 90 minutes. I think we all have a different sweet spot because we're all different. So you may never find, you may try to stretch that to 45 minutes and then realize, you know what? My sweet spot is right at 30 minutes. It's worth stretching yourself to figure that out. And then some people are like, you know what? I'm going to do the, you know, 25 minutes, five minute break, 25 minutes, five minute break. For me, that does not work at all. Um, I, the kind of work that I do, I need to be like in it, like focus for a long and get into my rhythm and go into deep work. And I can't do that in 25 minutes. So I have built myself up to you know, my sweet spot is 90 minutes and then I get up and I take a break or I change activities and then you'll see another hour or 90 minute slot on my time later in the day. Well, as you uh, probably already know, because it seems like you do a lot of the same research and uh, go to a lot of the same blogs and podcasts and whatnot, um, there is actually a scientific sweet spot. And I'm not saying it's the number for everybody, um, but they have done a fairly extensive amount of research. And technically, the sweet spot is 52 on and 17 off. Um, and I will put a link in the show notes to that research. It's something that I've talked about quite a bit in the past. My sweet spot is fairly close to that. I find that anything less than 50 to 60 minutes isn't enough for me because I've gotten to the point where like you, I don't quite go for 90 minutes. I'll generally end up in the 60 to 70 range. But the way that I will block out a single block and the way that it is for me now is I know, and this is something I want to go into more as well. So I'm kind of uh, tipping off the, the next area that I want to go is that for me, the most productive focused version of me is from about nine in the morning to 1 p.m. Different times of the day, I'm not going to be quite as productive and we'll go more into that. So I will just put a three or a four hour time block in, but that doesn't mean that I'm going for four hours straight. It means that for these four hours, I'm doing this specific project 
And I maybe have broken it down into specific one hour blocks, but I have this intention in mind that it's, I'm building this lesson in the course, or I'm writing this blog post or whatever it might be, whatever high value creative activity is going to move me forward. But I also know that there are going to be breaks in there that are going to be 10 to 15 minutes long, where I go take a quick walk, or I just go to the bathroom, or I do a couple of pull-ups or whatever it is. But I'm still, I'm not completely allowing myself to get out of the zone. So I'm still kind of thinking about what I'm doing, but I'm stepping away from the task versus, well, for those 15 minutes, I'm going to go check Facebook and check email and whatever it is. So it's kind of like I have this master block of four hours but within it, there are mini blocks with breaks, but I don't allow myself to really reconnect to the outside world. So do you have anything similar? Well, I have theme days. I would say that's probably um, similar in that I have project days, I have podcasting days, and there's huge benefits to that. And that is actually a great strategy for you know creating either your ideal week or even identifying things on your task list and then batching them together. Because it takes a lot less energy to stay in the same zone that it takes like to do podcast interviews or your creative work, right? Because if you would have blocked out one hour for creative work, one hour for lead gen, one hour for working on your podcast, there is some inconsistency there. And it takes a lot of energy to switch from one to the other. And so I love that you're blocking out the four hours and then having small breaks in between. I do the same by theming my days and trying to stack similar tasks together on specific days of the week. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's something that I do as well, where those four hours are going to be the exact same project. Um, But I also will have themes where, for example, in general, I try to schedule podcast interviews either later in the evening when I know I don't need to be in the middle of a creative task or on Fridays when I know that my tank will be relatively empty and the thought of digging in for four hours to write something isn't going to happen but I can definitely carry a fun conversation like this. So I will have those themes throughout the week as well. Um, But one of the things that you mentioned that I think is really, really important to get into next, and you're another one of those people out there, um, this again is the whole switch to birth thing, where I don't feel like enough people in the productivity world or just in general are talking about energy management. Everybody talks about time management but they're not talking about how do I blend time management and energy management together. And that's kind of what we're alluding to is that people have these things called ultradian rhythms and everybody's heard of the circadian rhythm, but we also have an ultradian rhythm that happens throughout the day. And for me, kind of the the master key that unlocked my brain, it said, oh my God, I kind of finally figured out how I work and now I can get more done was unlocking my ultradian rhythm. So do you want to talk a little bit more about energy management versus time management throughout the day and the week? I would love to. So for me, what unlocked it for me and and what I talked to my clients about once I figured it out for me, and I think like you, like once you figure it out, maybe you're a little different, you realize you're not different, it could probably help other people, is that I realize that certain tasks give me energy and certain tasks deplete my energy. And I think that this is very much a personality. I think that it's also where your natural talents. So if I'm doing something that I'm naturally talented at, it gives me energy and it's not, it doesn't take as much energy to do the thing. Okay. So what I realized is that I am a people person. I can be exhausted. Like I could be at the pit of my day, which is right now between like 2 to 3.30. I naturally have very low energy. If I was ever to put any kind of solo work during that time of my day, I can guarantee I'll negotiate my way out of it. 
if I do it, it's going to take way longer. And it's depleting my energy because content creation for me in a silo is very energy depleting. With that being said, I could be exhausted. I get on an interview like this or a training or a coaching session with a client and I am on like a hundred percent on high energy. And then I take that high energy from working with people. And then I go do something that takes my energy. So my energy management is that I am really, really clear with what takes my energy and what feeds me and people feed me. So I don't meet with people generally during the morning because I already have energy. It's the early part of my day. I'm not depleted yet. So I put that energy into my focused work. When I'm already depleted energy, I reach out and I schedule. And so on my calendar, you'll always see appointments in the afternoon because that will fuel my energy to keep going the rest of the day. And it's the best use of my time during those periods of the day. Well, you just killed my separated at birth theory because I am an extreme introvert. So for (laughs) me, being around people just completely is the biggest giant energy suck ever. Um, so, so, So I found it a little bit divergent. But what's funny is that I have changed the way that I schedule my week now. And like I said, we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into this ideal weekly calendar. But what I found is that even though I'm not really a people person and uh, I'm not terribly social, if I'm in a social situation, I've learned how to become very good at it. So people don't even believe me when I say that I'm antisocial and introverted. But that's my nature is that I love to be alone. I love to do solitary work, put on the music, shut the door. I could do that for days on end and I would feel fantastic when I was done. However, what I've discovered in my coaching practice is that nothing energizes me more than coaching people. So I rearranged my whole day to now do my appointments right away in the morning. Because once I do that, I get off the call and I feel fantastic. And that springboards me into the next three or four hours, mostly because the work that I'm doing is so heavily related to what I'm doing in the coaching sessions that I'll learn something new or have my own breakthrough and say, oh, I helped the person solve this problem. That becomes a blog post and then I'm off to the races. So it's funny that you and I are actually doing the same thing, even though you're extroverted and I'm very introverted. Yes. So that's interesting. So it, it's probably tied to that you're so extremely passionate about, you know, coaching and that passion and interaction is fueling you. Um, my husband's an introvert. And so, you know, like our, our idea of a weekend is always completely different. He needs like, like not going to every event and doing all the things to recharge. And I'm like, what can we do? And where can we go? You know, so we're always managing that. And so I love that you explain that you're an introvert, because everyone listening here is on the spectrum of one or the other. Meaning, if you don't know this, introvert and extrovert doesn't always necessarily mean how you show up socially. What it means is where do you get your energy from? And, you know, so for me, I was I'm always really clear, like, I'm writing a book, that is energy depleting to me, even though I love the topic, I love the thing, I'm completely tied to the outcome. The act of doing that solo and by myself, um, I have to be aware of that. And so in in our listeners, I want you to think about and be aware of it because I don't think everyone's quite aware. They just feel like, oh, I don't like doing this activity or I like doing this activity. Um, be aware of what those activities do to your energy level and then look at how you can maximize ups and downs during your day. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I am going to revisit my separated at birth theory, but now I'm thinking it's you and my wife that were separated at birth. Because <laughs> you just described every conversation we have every Friday and Saturday. Oh, there's this event or this family thing. I'm like, 
can we please just stay home so I can just chill out and recharge and relax? And she's like, but, th- but that's boring. Like, I just want to get out. I'm like, oh my God. So after over a decade, we've figured out how to balance each other out. Yes. But that was the conversation every single week for the first, I don't know, five to 10 years of our relationship. Both of us just being like, are you kidding me? And then we finally figured out like, oh, oh, we're just, we're different and we have to accept that and work around it. And so, yep. yeah, I, but boy, do I know that conversation. Yep. I'm a decade of being married and my husband's favorite words are, oh, that sounds great. So which one thing do you want me to go to you? With, yes. With you too? <laughs> yes. I love your husband. I'm stealing that. <laughs> and, th- and that's what I'll do with her too. I'm like, that all sounds great. Which one do you want me to go to? Yeah. Because right? he's not telling me I can't go. He's just saying, which one do you really want me to attend with you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm exactly the same way. So I, I will prioritize it. And the, she's just come to the point where she's like, okay, well, I know you're probably going to be home for most of the weekend and you're going to recharge, but I'd really like you to go to this family dinner or there's this play or whatever it is. I'm like, that's great. But if she came to me and said, hey, we're going to be going bowling at one with friends and then we're going to do this thing at four. Then I've got dinner with my family. I'd be like, later. Not happening. Yeah, for sure. Okay, there you go. So I I love that this is like an unexpected aha. I think the listeners are going to be like, they resonate with that. And they may have known it, but not known it, right? Like they, they, they probably have been leaning into one or the other and not sure why. So now they can know why and then maximize that those times, even in their workday and their personal lives. Exactly. So going back to this idea of building this individual time block and starting to expand upon it a little bit and figuring out the best place to put these different themes or types of time blocks. I want to go a little bit deeper into energy management. We talked about a little bit this concept of the ultradian rhythm and you talked some from the perspective of being extroverted versus introverted. But now I want to look at it as being an early bird or being a night owl, because this is something that most people don't realize or understand. They get into the world of productivity and they say, oh, well, Hal Elrod says, I must have a miracle morning and I must wake up at 5 a.m. and I must do these 10 different things. I don't function at 5 a.m. in the morning. I function my best at 10 p.m. at night or 1 a.m. or whatever it is. So when I talk to people about time blocking and building the ideal daily or weekly calendar, you first have to understand your chronotype. Are you somebody that functions better earlier in the day? Are you somebody that functions better later at night? And how can you organize your day, figuring out when you're going to be the most versus the least creative? So do you have any similar strategies? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that you're recognizing that everyone is different. I think too many productivity experts and specialists are like, this is the box. And if you want to get this result, you need to fit in this box. And then what happens is people jump into the box and they're like, why don't I fit? Like, why, why does this feel not good to me? And then they think there's something wrong with them. And if I could say one thing, there is nothing wrong with you at all. You need to honor who you are and lean into the best parts of you. Um, that is essentially everything that I speak on. Everything that I teach on is that it is our job to know ourselves well enough and then honor who we are so we can lean into those best parts. So to answer your question, if first of all, uh, so this is the straight talk part of me (laughs) is, is if I said, or I had a client, let's just say I had a client and a client said, Amber, I'm a night owl. Like I cannot wake up early. I want a morning routine. I'm late to the office every day, or I'm late to, you know, whatever that looks like. I'm just not a morning person. Well, before I believe that story, I'm going to say, is that true? And we're going to dive deeper because oftentimes I have found that we are not morning people because we don't have nighttime routines. 
we're not a morning person because we're staying up till two or three. What would that look like if you were on a schedule where you put yourself to sleep at a, you know, at a specific time? Would you suddenly become a morning person? Now, for some people, they're like, I don't care what schedule you put me on. I will never be a morning person. I've tried it. I've given my good shot at that. Then great. How do we maximize your, your energy that you're having at night versus in the morning? Yeah, I agree with all of that. And uh, yes, I believe that everybody is individual. But I also think that every single person can benefit from a morning routine. The difference is that when they hear morning routine and they read the blog post, oh, that means I must do it between 5 and 7 a.m. And my response is, a morning routine is going to help every single person. Yours might be from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. That could be your morning based on your own chronotype, your own rhythms, your own creativity. And you're always going to prime yourself for the day by having certain very specific rituals. And those are different to everybody. But I think the problem is that morning routine in this world equals must be waking up at 4.30 or 6 a.m. or whatever it is. And that's where I completely call bull. I agree. I agree. So I'm going to quote Mike Vardy. I'm not sure if you know who he is. I do. Yes. Okay. So I had him on my podcast so long ago and he said something that just totally resonated with me. He's, he is a self-proclaimed night owl. And he said, you know, I'm tired of people shaming me into having to be a morning person. And I'm paraphrasing. I get done the night before what you get done tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that is so good because he just flipped the script because night people are being told they're behind the eight ball early, you know, early bird gets the worm, like all of this stuff. And he's like, well, actually I'm getting done tonight what you're going to get done tomorrow. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's what people that are night out need to hear is that it's okay if you're being productive with the time. I think that a lot of night owls are staying up doing unproductive activities or they're not maximizing that energy and they're doing kind of non-valued activities because they're just staying awake and it's and it, then it's stealing potentially productive time the next day. So for him he's he is his most productive self at night and so he totally maximizes that. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day, and that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour, but if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360.
Yeah, if you're binge watching Netflix for three hours from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. because you just can't put yourself to sleep, you're not necessarily a night owl. There's a difference. (laughs) But if if you really find that you don't get those creative juices flowing and you don't feel that sense of being totally and fully alive and being immersed in the project, whatever it is that you're doing, if you can't experience that until 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m., but then you get in the zone and then all of a sudden you look at the clock and it's 2 a.m., there's a good chance you're a night owl. And that was me for a long, long time until I had kids. And then I realized this is not going to be so conducive to life with children. So I had to force myself to shift my circadian rhythms. And I've been able to do it by a couple of hours, but they've actually done extensive research and found that your chronotype is genetic. It's not something that you can just change. It's basically like your eye color. So you can modify what the spectrum looks like where you can be productive and be creative versus not being productive or creative, but you can't just change it no matter what kind of biohacks or supplements or red light therapy or all this other crap that's out there now, a lot of which I try, by the way, and talk about. But there's always this false sense of, oh, this is going to change everything. It's like, no, you're still going to be who you are. It's just going to help shift things slightly and make things a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm looking at creating a block schedule, like we have a clean slate, one of the the first steps that I want everyone to do is create boundaries. And this leans into your question of like, what if I'm a night owl? What if I'm a morning person? Now, for those of you that are completely responsible for your own schedule, so maybe you're a freelancer or an entrepreneur or you have flexibility, um, this is you deciding like, what time am I starting my day? What time am I starting work? What time am I ending my day um, at work? And what time am I ending my day period? And so when we create a block schedule, the very first thing is to create boundaries. I think that there's so many people out there that creatives and entrepreneurs and freelancers that there is no boundary. It's just endless. It's like, oh, when I feel tired enough, I'll stop. Or when the work is done or when I tackle my task list. And that is no way um, to approach creating an ideal week that's going to sustain over time. So first thing is boundaries. Exactly. I couldn't agree more, which is the perfect segue to what I have been teasing this whole episode, which is, and this is something I've never done before. So we'll see if this uh, is a huge value added bonus or if it's just a total, you know, total bomb. And everybody's like, well, that was just dumb. Um, (laughs) But what I actually want to do, I'm going to share my screen with you right now. And obviously this is an audio only podcast. So for anybody that's listening, if you listen to this and you're in your car or wherever, please do not do, you know, what somebody else might do and go on your phone and be like, Oh, I must look at what they're looking at while you're driving. Like, please don't do that. However, if you're somebody that's listening to this in a sedentary stationary state, or you want to look at it later, go to the show notes for this episode. And I'm going to provide a screenshot of what she and I are talking about. But this is such a visual experience and a visual um, way of organizing your life and your day that I think it would be just a complete disservice to the listener to talk about this, not have them just be able to visually see, oh, I get it, right? So I'm going to share what I have created as my current ideal weekly calendar. And this changes all the time. But because I just finished a job yesterday, the first thing that I did this morning was I said, what does my schedule look like now? I know that for the next three, four, five months, I'm going to be heavily immersed in two different projects, but I manage my own time. I'm not going to be editing for a TV studio where they largely dictate my time. So I said, number one, I have to know what time blocks am I responsible for? And then I start playing a game that I call Calendar Tetris. So what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to share this with you and you're going to be like, oh yeah, I've got one of those. And then we're just going to dig into this thing. So let me know if you can see it on your end. I can totally see it. And you're like, I've got one of those. Yeah, I'm looking at mine. I was actually prepping mine too, like, like oh, then we should share. on the screen. We should definitely share screenshots of both if you're willing to do that. You certainly Absolutely. don't have to, but um, so what we're looking at now is the way that I see the perfect week. My week never ever, ever goes like this, but I do my best to get as close as possible. And it helps me be more intentional about, oh, you know what? I really don't know what I should be doing right now. What does the calendar say? Oh, it says I should be in the deep work state right now versus, oh, I'm just having lunch or whatever it is. Um, So what we're looking at now is a full week where just about every single block, every single area of time for 24 hours a day has some color in it. And the color scheme for anybody that's looking at this, anything that's reddish orange, that's specifically related to my Ninja Warrior training. And then I have a different color for things that are business related. So that's gray. And then I also do a coaching practice. So that's like this dark red. Anything that's green, that means that that's my personal time. And the reason that I do the different colors and not just the blocks is it's a really good way to understand, is my life balanced in some way or not? If there's no green on here, well, I'm going to burn out because it's all business, right? Yep. So the idea here is that I am pretty much beholden and responsible to every single block that's in here. However, I do have a few places where there are gaps. And this is a word that you had mentioned that I want to bring up. And you and I also talked about this before we went on the show, this concept of margins. This is one of the biggest things that I find that people don't focus on enough is actually building building margins into their day. So I said to you, well, hey, I'm planning on going till about two o'clock to do this recording, but do you have a little bit of room left over? And you said, well, yeah, I don't record my next thing until 2.30. I'm like, ah, a fellow productivity specialist understands margins. Yeah. So, And margins are such a huge part of the day. So looking at this ideal weekly calendar, do you have any general thoughts? Yeah, where are your margins? Show me like, can you show me like a place? Cause I, my calendar has a lot more white space going into the week prior to actually planning the details of it. Mm -hmm. So my, my ideal week, it never ends up that there's white space, that much white space left, but I do pretty much schedule a lot of white space into my weeks. Yes. And that, that's a great question. So you'll see that there are white spaces between all of the coaching sessions because I like to have that space to send any notes to somebody and also make sure that I grab a glass of water, whatever it is. I don't like doing sessions back to back. But if we're looking at something like the deep work where you see on this one, it's currently from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., like we talked about, I build in the margins in between there. So I know that from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., I'm doing deep work on whatever the, the biggest, most important creative project is that I have. But roughly every hour, I'm taking five to 10 minute breaks and margins where, like I said, I'm going to the bathroom or I'm doing pull-ups or I'm doing you know kettlebell swings or whatever it is. But I'm not allowing my brain to completely escape from that creative space. But then like, for example, lunch to me is a margin. So I've got a full hour in there every day for lunch. But you'll notice the way that I do it in the afternoons, I have multiple things that are stacked together that are competing for the same time. I love this. This three o'clock family time, I I don't know what it is, but I can guess because I freaking have the same thing on my schedule. Is that what time your kids come home from school? That is when my kids come (laughs) home from school. So what I'm telling myself on this calendar is that from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., I'm in a deep work state, but it only fills half of the vertical space because I know my kids are going to come home at three. And I also know that roughly 4.30 every day, I take a half hour uh, walk around the block 
walking. I, this is something I even do when I'm working in the studio. I always go out and I take a walking break. So again, it's the same as the morning where I don't completely let myself get out of this creative space, but I may take 20 minutes and help my son with his piano homework or look at the drawing that my daughter did that day. Whatever that creative thought is, whatever I'm writing, whatever video I'm shooting, it's still in the back of my brain and I'm still letting the wheels turn. But I know that my afternoons are going to be a little bit more all over the place. So really, there are margins in there. There's just not empty white space, so to speak. Yes. Okay. So I had to do the same thing because I realized I was trying to get like projects done. Like I would schedule it and then my nanny would come home with my son. And of course, he's excited to come in and see me. And he wants to tell me about his day and hand over the papers. And it doesn't matter how many times I tell him, like when I'm out of the office, like we can do the thing. And then I was like, why am I fighting reality? Like give the kid... 15, 20, 30 minutes. And so as soon as I flipped that script and then put it on my calendar and changed my expectations, I was able to have focused work before and focused work after. And so I have that same 30 minute block of time when my son comes home. Yeah. And that's a lesson that like you, I had to learn the hard way where I was Mr. Productivity and I'm going to say hello, but I'm going to go right back to it. And then I'm like, yeah, but when my kids are in therapy someday and they're like, (laughs) my parents were never around, but it, uh, it was okay because they had blog posts to write. Like that's yes. not going to happen, right? Like you only get so much time with them. So like I said, I'm, I'm putting myself in that state of I know I'm doing this specific deep work and the thoughts in the back of my mind, but for half an hour, I might be walking away, right? Oh my gosh, that's so true. And then I do, I do want to point out, so one of the things that I, I often teach too is to book out the lunchtime because you and I both know that if you don't actually book that time on your calendar, somebody's going to ask to meet with you that time. Something's going to run over. And I block an hour knowing that because of margin time, I know for sure I'm getting 30 minutes. But sometimes I do get the full hour. And I put those that in there as a rock as well. Yep. And I'm the same way. What I do when it comes to lunches, because I get a lot of requests for people that say they want to go out to lunch and pick my brain and all this other stuff. I'm happy to do that. And I always do it on Fridays. It's the only day that I open my lunch to others. Otherwise, my lunch is recuperation. It's me, you know, eating lunch and watching stand-up comedy on Netflix or whatever it might be. Oh so that that's recharging for me. But Fridays, you want to go out and have lunch with me? Awesome. Like I, I, I'm basically planning and assuming that that's going to happen at some point. So it's not like, oh, crap. Now, how do I make this work? I'm welcoming that into my life. But it's also very structured with boundaries. Okay. So Fridays are my day too. It's the only day I'll say yes to lunches as well. And I have a task that comes up that set, tells me to find someone to have lunch with in the coming Fridays. Like, so I block it out on my calendar and then create a task that shows up regularly to kind of prod me into saying, okay, who do I want to network with? Or who do I want to go have lunch with? And then I feel that block of time. See, that's where you and I, that's, that's the extrovert versus the introvert. I'm totally going to steal that because never... Never in my brain is it wired in a way that it's like, ooh, let's seek out other people, right? But you're totally right. That's a brilliant idea. And I'm totally going to steal that. I Okay, I didn't do it because of an extrovert. I actually could go without lunches forever. I, I mean, like, that's when the productivity side of me comes out. I'm literally saying, okay, so I have to stop what I'm doing. Then I have to get in the car and that's 20, 30 minutes. And then I eat and that's never just one hour. And then it's 30 minutes back. Like, I am literally counting the time to say, is that worth my time? Well, as you know, with relationships, you never, you can never really quantify where they're going to go and what that looks like. So I did the task 
is actually the opposite. It was to make me stop and go schedule the time because if not, I would not proactively reach out to leave my office and stop my work and go talk to people. Mm, I love this and I'm totally going to steal it. This is brilliant. I'm going to make it a point to try and actually fill my lunch with people on Fridays. Um, so for anybody that's listening, if you feel like sending me an onslaught of emails saying, I'd love to take you out to lunch and pick your brain, here's your chance because I need a list of people to have lunch with. Yes, um, yeah. So because we're both productivity specialists, I do want to be very conscious of your time. However, there's one thing that we still have to talk about that I know is one of your fortes. And that's the idea of the power block. Because I think that what people are asking is, I've got all this crap that I need to do in my life. Like all you guys are doing is being focused and productive. But what if I just want to reply to emails or Facebook comments or pay bills or whatever? Like I think people need to understand that we're not productive and creative for 24 hours a day. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if they're looking at your schedule, you see that he has a weekly review. I think those are that's a Monday at five o'clock. So I do my weekly review on Fridays mid-morning and it's always followed by a power hour. And the reason I do it after a weekly review is because, and I'm sure you probably had episodes about this and stuff, but like your weekly reviews where you're, you know, capturing everything and planning out the rest of your week. And inevitably, if we are working at, you know, mock speeds and moving and, and, you know, you're in meetings and appointments and you're pushing away the busy work for focused work and deep work, inevitably, there's so many things that come up that need your attention that are quick and, and little. If you lean into those, so this is the difference between someone else that would say, you know, if it's less than two minutes, do it. Except for, I don't know about you, but I have so many less than two minute things that that would easily add up to hours and becomes very distracting. So I needed a home to put those in. And so I block out Fridays um, mid-morning to do a power hour. And so as things come across my desk or regular tasks that are very quick to do, um, I ask myself, is there any, any negative going to come if this is not attended to till Friday? And mind you, that's if something comes in Friday afternoon, that's a full seven days. But usually it's like Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, and you're only waiting one or two days. All that goes into the power hour. And the power hour is meant to do all of these small, insignificant, not your high value productive activities and just like totally wipe them off your list to clear the slate so that you can truly focus on these pockets of deep work, focused work, creative work, client work um, without that nagging at you. And it also prevents fires. If you're right now reacting to your days um, with one fire after another, after another, and Generally, those are rooted in something that was not that important, but when you didn't deal with it in a timely manner, it became a fire. And I have found that if you regularly do a power hour and clear the slate and clean up the task list and get all those little things out of the way before they're urgent, um, you can really stay in your proactive zone much more and really stay true to your block schedule. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with all of that more. And uh, I think especially when it comes to the urgent part of it, everybody wants something from you urgently. Everything is a fire. Everything is ASAP so much that I've turned it into a verb. Um, all the people that I worked with was like, yeah, I got asap again, right? Um, but really very, very little of it is urgent. What I found is that if I know when that block of time is, I will tell that person, hey, you need me to sign this document or whatever it is. I'll get it to you Friday afternoon. Okay, no problem. But if you just give them an open-ended, 
yeah, I'll get to it. And they're checking and they're checking the why and you gotten to it. Why yes. haven't you gotten to it? But if you just set expectations, 95% of the time people are fine with it. And when they're not, they'll say, oh, actually, you know what? The deadline is Thursday. So I'd really prefer you get it in at this time. And you're like, oh, well, then maybe I'll just take care of it now. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think this is going to be another deviation between our personalities because you call it a power block and you make it sound like fun. I call it my hell block. I <laughs> hate email and social media and paying bills and paper. I, like, I just hate all the dit dit redundant stuff of life. So when I wasn't productive, I used to have what was called a hell week. It's kind of like being a Navy SEAL, but for lack of productivity. That's where I did my taxes and paid my bills and scanned all of my paperwork. And I only did it a couple of times a year. So it was an awful week. And then I'm like, why am I doing all this horrible stuff like over two weeks a year? Let me try and do it once a month. So I had a hell block or a hell day that would be a Saturday that I would block out. And as I got, became, became more and more productive, they got smaller and smaller and smaller. So now I basically have a couple of blocks that are like, two to three hours, once or twice a week where I'm knocking out all this stuff. And usually I get it done in way less than that. So then I just kind of have this free open time to do whatever I want. But the game changer for me is somebody that's been dealing with adult onset ADD for the last 20 years. And I just cannot stand redundant tasks like dishes and laundry and cleaning and paying bills and all this. So what I do is I just put all of it into a routine on Saturday morning for two to three hours. So that's when I do my grocery shopping, I do my laundry and everything else. So I'm never thinking on Thursday, I'm really anxious because I have laundry to do. That anxiety is gone because I know my laundry is going to get done at 9am on Saturday. So the biggest thing, which takes us full circle to where we started, is that anxiety just disappears and I'm able to focus on other things. Yes. So I think words have power. I couldn't imagine being excited about hell block time. That, that would just like creep me out. I would probably avoid it altogether. So yeah, I call mine a power hour. And it's so funny you say that. I just interviewed a client um, to be on the podcast. And he, he said, he divulged, he's like, oh my gosh, I absolutely hate the power hour. Like, I mean, hate it, Amber. And I've been, I didn't want to tell you this, but I hate doing it, but it's like going to the gym. And when I'm done, I feel so much better. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I never really thought of that because I was always attached to the outcome. And instead of the process, like kind of like grit in your teeth. And I'm sure I see a lot of workout time on your schedule. Like I'm sure that's not something you look forward to all the time, but you're attached to the outcome. And that's what pulls you through the hell block of time. Exactly. And it's funny because that's actually where the name came from was my obsession with things like Navy SEALs and people that train at the highest levels. And I've run a bunch of Spartan races and Tough Mudders. And like I said, I'm training for Ninja Warrior. So for me, there's, there's almost something that I seek out where it's like, how can I put myself in an incredibly uncomfortable situation, but I'm choosing the obstacles rather than the obstacles in life choosing me so I can be ready for them. Yes. So Navy SEALs have hell week. Yes. So I have my hell block. So it's kind of, I mean, obviously checking my email and social media is not quite what the Navy SEALs go through in hell week, but that's kind of where the name comes from. So it's not so much, oh, this is going to suck and I'm not looking forward to it. It's, oh, this is really going to suck and I'm looking forward to it. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. You know, here's the deal. We all have things that we don't like doing and it's our job to figure out how we can do those even when we don't feel like doing it. I feel like, at times, us as adults, we act like toddlers. You know, I have an eight-year-old. And when he was a toddler, he would say, I don't want to do it. And at some point, you got to pull up your big girl, big boy pants and say, I'm going to do it anyways. Like, that is not a choice to negotiate myself out of it. 
And at the end of the day, um, that's what productivity is about, is you're making a choice. And it's a choice that we have to make every single day. And for some of us, it's every hour. Like every time I transition from one block of time to the next, I'm making a choice. Am I going to, you know, go back to bed? Am I going to go, you know, look on Facebook? Or am I going to do the thing that when I was in my best mindset, I scheduled myself to do because I know that when I do it, it's going to get me closer to my goals. And when we do that and we say yes to those things on a consistent basis, it's no doubt that we're going to slay our goals, both personally and professionally. Man, you just summed all that up like you're a professional podcaster or something. <laughs> well done. I couldn't have finished the outro any better than that. That was fantastic. Awesome. Um, so obviously, I'm a horrible productivity specialist because we've just gone 13 minutes over our allotted time. But dear Lord, was it worth it? I hope we, it was for well, you we as well. Knew it because we knew we were going to totally geek out about this. And I think having people hear about like, what do you do? What do I do? And they have to hear this one last time. We never met each other or spoken to each other prior to getting on this call. And so because we both live in this world and we practice this and we work with people, like you have to know like these strategies work. And if you're telling yourself that's not going to work for me, you've got to release that story and say, you know what? What would happen if I applied these principles and made it work for me? Oh my God, I love that. Uh, for anybody that was just inspired high heaven by what you just said, how do they find you? How do they listen to you? How do they read your stuff? How do they work with you? Oh, thank you for asking. So um, you can find me over at my website, theproductivityspecialist.com. I have a podcast called Productivity Straight Talk. You can find it anywhere you're listening to this episode. Just search Productivity Straight Talk. Um, I also have a template that you can download um, in Excel, and it has all seven steps that I teach on how to create your ideal week. Uh, and you can find that at theproductivityspecialist.com forward slash optimize yourself, all one word, optimize yourself. And you just leave me your name and email and I will send you this template along with all the seven steps, how to create your own ideal week. I love it. That's fantastic. I cannot thank you enough for providing that for my audience and for being on the show today and taking an hour and 15 minutes out of your time for me and all my listeners. So thank you so much. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I wanna make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even gonna send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.